0: Good morning, everyone. How are we? That was like the most well-behaved group of babies I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, some really godly children up there. And the whole thing with Brian not being dedicated, it explains a lot, you know? <laughs> wow. Putting a lot of pieces together. Brian, I will dedicate you wherever you are. I we can do that right now if you want. Morning, everyone. My name is Ryan. I'm the lead pastor here at Arbor. For those that are new or visiting families that are here to witness friends, grandchildren get dedicated today, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, As you can tell, it is Christmas time here at Arbor with all of the decorations and whatnot. And we are in the middle of a series called The Ever Present God. And in this series, we are journeying through. Through the not-so-fun things about life, the, the hardships, the anxieties, uh, the difficulties, the pains of life. And we are looking at, and in a sense, reminding ourselves of the reality that through all of those circumstances and situations, Jesus is with us through it all. He's with us every step of the way. Last week, we looked at a couple verses in Psalm 84, and we were reminded of this comforting truth for those who weren't there last week. This is what we learned. While we may marvel at God on the mountaintops, we venture toward intimacy with Him in the valleys. So we we might marvel at God on the mountaintops, and for most of us, man, we love being on the mountaintop, right? If, If you've ever been on a hike and you get to the end and it's like with the view, you're like, I did it. And there's success and there's relief and there's beauty. And for those of us that are followers of Jesus, when we have these mountaintop seasons in our lives, it's oftentimes quite easy to experience the presence of God during those mountaintop seasons, isn't it? But, but no one really likes being in the valleys, No one likes being in the middle of where it's difficult, and it's hard, and it's painful, and it's in the midst of those valleys that we oftentimes find ourselves asking these questions like, God, how much longer am I going to have to walk in this valley? Where are you? What are you doing in this season? When are you going to end this season in my life? But again, what's so important for us to realize, and what we saw last week, it's that in those valleys, we are given an invitation We are given an invitation to a gift, so to speak, a present, to draw near to God in the midst of those valleys and experience his presence. When we go through valleys in life, what we saw is that those valleys aren't a purposeless place of pain, but God can use those valleys to great purpose in your life so you can experience his peace and his presence in the midst of those seasons. And this is the purpose of this series. We're looking at the different seasons of life that we all face, and we are being reminded that we can encounter and experience the presence of God in every and any situation. And all of this is rooted in our anchor verse, our theme verse for this series, which is Matthew 123. Matthew 123. and it says this, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is who our God is. Our God is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He is the ever-present God. And last week, like I said, we talked about how this ever-present God is with us in the valleys. This week, we're going to look at a different metaphor that we find in the scriptures, and, and we'll see that our God is present with us in the the wilderness. And how do we experience God in the wilderness? How do we experience God in the wilderness? Now, the wilderness is different than the valley. Both not fun, okay? Both not the best. But the wilderness is different than the valley because the wilderness, as as we'll see in the scriptures, it can last a lot longer. The wilderness is this barren place. It's a dry place. It's a desolate place where you feel all Alone. Oftentimes in the scriptures, the primary picture that we have of the individual or the group of people going through the wilderness is that they're wandering. They're wandering through the wilderness and they feel lost and they feel all alone and they feel like no one understands what they're going through. And some of you right now, you are in a wilderness. You are in a wilderness right now. Maybe some of you, you're stuck in this seemingly pointless, purposeless job, and and you're like, man, I wonder if I could just pivot right now in my life and go get a new job, and maybe I'll go get some more training, or maybe I'll go back to school, but if I go back to school, then I'm going to get all this debt, and I'm going to have to pay all this debt back, but I might get a better job as a result, and you kind of find yourself trying to decide, and you're in this kind of limbo state. You're wandering in this wilderness, Some of you, maybe you're renting a place right now and you're thinking and toying with the idea of like, maybe I should buy a house, but because you live in Seattle, nothing's affordable and all the rates are through the roof and you're like, if I wanted to afford something, then I'd have to move out of this area and I'd have to leave my community and so you're kind of wandering in this wilderness, what should I do, where should I go? And when we're going through seasons like this, we oftentimes feel very alone and lost. And disoriented. We feel like no one really understands what it's like for us to go through what we're going through as we go through the wilderness. You know what I think is really interesting about wilderness seasons is, is that wilderness seasons are often preceded by seasons on a mountaintop. Wandering in the wilderness oftentimes follows moments on the mountaintop. Have you ever noticed this in life? We we see this in the life of Christ. We see this in Jesus' life. He had this mountaintop experience with his heavenly father. He, He was baptized by John the Baptist, and when he came up out of that water, he heard his heavenly father with his audible voice just affirm him and say, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. That is a mountaintop experience if I've ever seen one but immediately following this encounter with the most holy God, the next verse says, immediately Jesus was driven into the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days. Mountaintop followed by the wilderness. Now this might be your experience right now. You're going through life and life was going great, but then you found out someone wasn't being honest with you. You thought your spouse was being faithful to you and, and you find out that they, they weren't and so now you find yourself wandering in the wilderness. Life was going well, you were able to pay all your bills, you had this job, but then you lost the job and now you find yourself stuck in this season of debt and you are trying and trying and trying to get out of this season, but regardless of how hard you try, it doesn't seem to get any better. Your best doesn't seem to be good enough and you try and you try to bring people alongside with you and you try to tell them how you feel in this season of wandering, and and no one seems to understand. You feel alone, you're spiritually empty, you're feeling desperate in the wilderness, and so what I wanna do today is I I wanna share one truth with all of you today that I hope uh, encourages you and gives you strength, not just today, but in the weeks and months to come, and that truth is this. In the wilderness, listen, my greatest need turns into a gift when it drives me to depend on God. My greatest need, your greatest need, regardless of how hard it might be, can become a gift in your life when it drives you to this dependence on God. And we're going to see that in our story today in the Old Testament in 1 Kings 19. And so if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and get those out and turn to 1 Kings 19. We are going to be looking at, at a story of, of this guy named Elijah, and he was a prophet. And what we're going to see is that, that God used this man in incredible ways. In fact, he, he used him quite literally on a mountaintop, Mount Carmel to be exact, But immediately following this miraculous mountaintop moment, this experience, he goes into the wilderness, and he's desperate, and he's alone, and he's depressed, and he's like, God, how are we going to get out of this? Now, before I jump into 1 Kings 19, I want to give you a little context on the situation. In Israel at the time, when Elijah is this prophet, there is this wicked king named Ahab, and he's got this wicked wife named Jezebel, okay, and these are the leaders and rulers of Israel at the time, and, and they, they are just causing a ruckus in Israel, and Elijah is this prophet, and he's speaking up and out against them. And, and in 1 Kings 19, verse 2, what we're going to see is, is Jezebel was talking to Ahab, and, and she was like, this Elijah guy has to go. And if you can't take care of your business, Ahab, I'm going to do it myself, And look at verse 2. Look what she says. She sends this messenger to let Elijah know, may the gods judge me severely if by this time tomorrow I do not take your life. That's a serious threat right there. And Elijah is naturally terrified. He's he's afraid. And so in verse 3, look there. Elijah was afraid, obviously, right? Right? So he got up and he fled for his life to Beersheba in Judah. Now I'm gonna stop right there just to give us an, a, a sense, an idea of how far this guy ran, okay? He didn't just go to the next neighborhood which was called Beersheba. This, this, this dude ran like 100 miles to get away. This was before Uber. This was before Lyft. He, didn't, he couldn't call a cab or rent a car. He went like full forest gump mode and just ran, ran to Beersheba because he was terrified He was terrified and sprints straight into the wilderness where he's alone and he's desperate and he's hurting. I mean, look at how bad he's hurting. Look at verse four. He went and sat down under a shrub and asked the Lord to take his life. That's how low Elijah is right now. He has run into the wilderness. He is fearful for his life and, 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 he, and, he, and he sits down under this shrub and he, and he calls out to God, just, just end it. Just end it. I, I can't do this anymore. Life is not worth living. And then he says something that I'm sure so many of us in this room have said before. When we are going through a season like this, when we are just plodding and wandering through the wilderness, he says this. He says, I've had enough. I've had enough. I can't take it anymore. I can't go on like this one more day. I don't have strength in me to make it through this wilderness. I've had enough. And I know this morning, during Christmas time, in the midst of all the trees and the lights and the celebration and the presents and the holly jolly and the festivities, I know that there are many of you in this room right now where where, where the first thing in in your heart right now isn't like all of the Merry Christmas jolliness. It's these words right here. I've had enough. I I can't do it anymore. I'm at my wit's end. And and you've been plodding through this wilderness. This is where Elijah's at. He can't take it anymore. But like I said these wilderness experiences oftentimes are followed by these like mountaintop moments. And Elijah's life is is one of these lives that that is just marked by mountaintop moment after mountaintop moment where he has seen the provision and the power and the presence of God time and time again. Uh, One one time in Elijah's life, he stood up to the king and he was like, King, there's going to be a drought. And you know what? There was a drought. And King Ahab chased after him, and Elijah had to go into hiding for three years. But God protected Elijah, and in the story, God fed Elijah with these ravens from heaven. This incredible miracle. Then after that, God used Elijah to raise this young boy from the dead. Then after that, God used Elijah on like this mountaintop where like he called fire down from heaven to consume this altar as he was confronting 850 false prophets of Baal all by himself. And he calls the fire down from heaven and the fire comes down from heaven and then it destroys all the prophets. Then Elijah sees a little tiny cloud in the distance looks like a hand, at least that's what it says in the scripture, and Elijah had faith to believe that God was going to bring rain through that cloud, and so he prophesied and prayed for rain, and you know what happened? God brought rain. Elijah's life was one marked by experiencing the provision of God, the power of God, the presence of God. Time and time again, he saw it, but, but at this point in Elijah's life, even after all of those mountaintop experiences, even after seeing the faithfulness of God all his life, this is where he's at. Enough was enough. He had reached his limit, and he says, I, I've had enough. And again, I know there are some of you here that are at this point. I've had enough. I, I can't do it. You're exhausted, you're overwhelmed. You're like, I'm doing the best that I can, and it just feels like the best I can do is not enough. Is that you today? Is that you? I hear this a lot when I talk to so many of you. How are you doing? You share these things about your life. And then inevitably, what I end up hearing a lot of the time is, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm just so tired right now. Is that you? Just tired. I feel like you're wandering. You're stuck in this wilderness. Um, just to comfort you, a quick search of the internet would 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 give you peace to know you're not alone. <laughs> there are many of uh, many people in your situation. In fact, in a recent survey, October of 2022, there was this dramatic rise in feeling burnt out. And and just so that we're clear, the, the feeling of being burnt out is this. It is the state of emotional, physical, and mental exhaustion caused by excessive and prolonged stress. In other words, what it's like being a Seahawks fan for the last month, okay? That's the idea. Got that in there, great, awesome, okay. Rose 40% in just one quarter. They're gonna beat the 49ers, okay? Trust me, one o'clock, all right? This feeling of being burnt out rose 40% globally in one quarter the most significant rise in American office workers where 43% of all employees reported feeling burnt out, exhausted, or at the end of their rope. Is that where you're at? Just exhausted, worn out? You would say, I've been in the wilderness too long. I I can't do this anymore. I've had enough. I need a vacation. I need some days off. I need some good sleep. I need a break. Hear this. There's this Christian psychologist. His name is Dr. Henry Cloud. And he said that for most people, like for most of us in this room, that we are actually misdiagnosing our challenge. We're misdiagnosing what burns us out in the midst of the wilderness. And he says this, listen to this. Most people are not simply physically tired and exhausted. Because if you were physically tired, you could just take a nap and that would solve your problem. You're not in need of physical rest as much as you are in need of spiritual replenishment. I hope this resonates with some of you. Now, I know some of you are like, no, I just, I really need a nap, okay? <laughs> I really need a break. And listen, I get that. not, not going to discount, discredit this need for actual rest and food and sleep, which we're going to see is very important in just a moment. But perhaps in addition to that, and more importantly than that, what you really need is not just a nap, is not just a Snickers bar to keep you from being grumpy right now. Perhaps what you really need is spiritual replenishment. Perhaps what you really need is an encounter with the Most High God. Perhaps what you really need is to slow down and like we saw last week, dig a well and stop and await the presence of God to meet you in that feeling of exhaustion and hopelessness and despair and desperation. Again, this is the state that Elijah's in. He's not just physically exhausted, although I'm sure he's wiped out after running 100 miles. He's also spiritually depleted. Now look at what God does though here. God God doesn't give him a book to read so that he can figure out how to make more margin in his life. God doesn't preach a sermon to him so he feels convicted about how he's overextended himself over these last few years and he needs to take a breather. No, no, God doesn't do any of those things. God meets him exactly where he's at. And look at verse 5. He, that's Elijah here, stretched out and fell asleep under the shrub. And then suddenly an angelic messenger touched him and said, get up and eat. And so listen, sometimes what you need is a nap and a sandwich, okay? That's sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do. Take a nap, eat a sandwich. And then look what Elijah sees here in verse six. He looked and right there by his head was a cake baking on hot coals and a jug of water. And he ate and he drank and he slept some more. God meets him right here where he's at in his physical exhaustion. Bakes a cake for him. has water for him and he goes back to bed. But look at verse seven. The angel of the Lord came back again. Came back. I love this because how many of you always get it on the first try? No? I, I almost never get it on the first try. I need God to come back again and again and remind me. And that's what this angel does. He comes back to Elijah again. Some of you, listen, God is pursuing after you right now. And, and, and you've refused, and, and you've resisted for a season, but listen, he's, he's relentless. He is pursuing after your heart. He is going after you. He is faithful. He is merciful. He is gracious, and he is coming back after you again, and again, and again, and, and the angel of the Lord came back again and says to Elijah, get up and eat for otherwise you won't be able to make the journey. And so he got up and ate and drank, and the meal gave him the strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And he went into a cave there and spent the night. Suddenly the Lord's message came to him, Why are you here, Elijah? So now what's going on? Elijah's had a couple of meals. He's slept a long time. He makes this journey to this mountain and goes in this cave. And then God says, why are you here, Elijah? What's going on in the story at this point? Well, listen, Elijah's running away from Ahab and Jezebel. This much we know. But what God is saying to Elijah at this point essentially is, Elijah, I know you're running away from that evil king and that wicked queen. But why are you running away from me? Why are you running away from me? So many of us in this room, we are running away from these painful, difficult circumstances in our lives, but as we do that, we are also running away from God. And God is is saying to Elijah here, I'm here for you. You have full access to me. I want to meet you in your pain. I want to meet you in the wilderness, and I want to bring you restoration, and I want to bring you health and healing right now. But he reaches out to Elijah and he says, why are you here? Elijah responds, and not with a small amount of self-pity. Look at how he responds. I have been absolutely loyal to the Lord God of heaven's armies. Even though the Israelites have abandoned the covenant they made with you, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword, I alone am left, and now they want to take my life. I'm the only one, God, how often do we get into that mode? I'm the only one doing it right. Everyone else messing around, but God, I've been faithful, I've been faithful. See here, Elijah is not just physically exhausted, he's spiritually depleted, he's lost perspective. He's wiped out, he's hopeless, he's depressed. Nobody understands my situation, I am all alone. Let me tell you this, that is a lie, that is a lie. And that's how you feel right now in your situation. Let me just lovingly tell you that's not true. You are not alone. You are not alone. God is with you. God is with you. And again, what God does next here is so important for us to pay attention to because again, God doesn't come at him here in this moment and correct him. God doesn't shame him. He simply meets Elijah in his deepest need. God meets him right here in the middle of the wilderness. He meets Elijah in this moment of weakness and vulnerability, and God brings healing to him in this moment of hurt. Again, this is what I want us to understand today. In the wilderness, my greatest need can turn into a gift when it drives me to depend on God. So God responds to Elijah, and and pay attention now. This is really important. Verse 11. Go out, this is God talking, and stand on the mountain before the presence of the Lord. Look, the Lord is ready to pass by. And a very powerful wind went before the Lord, digging into the mountain and causing landslides. And certainly Elijah would have thought, this is where the presence of the Lord will be found. But it says, the Lord was not in the wind. After the windstorm, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was this fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a soft whisper. There was a whisper. The earth shook, but God was not. In the quaking, the wind raged, but God was not in the wind. The fire burned, but God was not in the fire. Earth, wind, fire—be a good band name, don't you think? For those of you that are like under 25, have no idea what I'm talking about. We got a lot of life to live, okay? God was not in the remarkable. He was in the soft and simple whisper. God was in the whisper. Why is it that when life gets so difficult, God's voice is so quiet? Why is his voice so gentle and still and small? If if God wants us to hear him when life is so chaotic and painful and noisy, why does he whisper? Why doesn't he shout? If he wants us to know him and hear him, why does he whisper? I'll tell you why. God whispers because he's close. He's close. He's right there with you. He whispers because he's near. The enemy shouts his lies, but God whispers his truth. He is close to you. He whispers to draw you near. He whispers to tell you, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am with you always. Nothing in this world can separate you from my love. No height, no depth, nor death, nor life can separate me. I am with you always. I am right by your side. Why does he whisper? Because he's close to you. He's close to you in the wilderness. The other week, I, uh, I shared with you the um, story of my brother, Kyle, how he passed away from cancer uh, about 30 years ago uh, in the fall. I've got three other younger sisters. Uh, their names are Danielle, uh, Candace, and Madeline. And this is a picture right here of my oldest sister, Danielle, and her family. As you can tell, they are frustratingly beautiful and photogenic. Uh, but they're not just beautiful people. Um, they're wonderful people. And I love them. They're an amazing family. Uh, But back in December of uh, 2017, uh, I was visiting with them in Chicago. My dad's mother, our grandmother, had passed away, and we were there for the funeral. And we were spending time together, obviously, as a family. Uh, But Danielle's middle daughter, Quinn, uh, was clearly not doing well. She was very sick and she was very unlike herself. She's usually like just very joyful and outgoing and wants to play with all the kids, but she would just lay on the couch and just wanted to watch TV and she was falling asleep all the time. You could just tell she was not doing well. So um, we all leave and Quinn is not doing any better. So Danielle takes Quinn to the doctor and they run some tests and and, and the doctor says, "Um, you need to get Quinn to the emergency room now. And so they take Quinn to the emergency room, and the doctors run some more blood tests and some scans. And and they got the news just a few days before Christmas of 2017 uh, that Quinn had cancer, uh, that she had leukemia. And this is a picture of them on uh, Christmas morning, 2017. You want to talk about the wilderness, Life is going along and Christmas is around the corner. You have hopes and dreams and a vision of what Christmas is going to be like with your family. And then you find out that your child has cancer. That was the reality my sister faced just a few years ago. I mean, this was their journey in the wilderness. But, 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 but here's what I want you to hear. I want you to to listen to what my sister wrote on Christmas Day just a few days after receiving this diagnosis that her daughter had leukemia. She wrote this as an update to everyone. She said, Christmas is much different this year. I imagined our sweet three in their matching jammies waiting at the top of the stairs as mommy and daddy got the presents ready, made a fire, and turned on Christmas music. I imagined we would open presents and watch their excitement all in three different ways. And yet here we are, in the hospital on Christmas. Something I never imagined. I did not imagine getting news days before Christmas that my daughter would have leukemia. I did not imagine that we would be sitting in a hospital room waiting for her second round of chemotherapy on Christmas Day. However, I also did not imagine How the Lord would show Himself in the mightiest ways during the hardest moments. I did not imagine how God would reveal Himself in new ways and cover us with His amazing grace and comfort and love. That's what she wrote just days after finding out, and in the weeks and months after, hundreds of people would rally together to pray for Quinn. Hundreds more would donate money. They raised over $50,000 for Quinn's treatment and to support the family, and there were years of treatment, chemotherapy, doctor's appointments, and, and, and we were just waiting and wondering and, and, and wandering through this wilderness, praying and hoping that God would use these treatments to get rid of this cancer in this little girl. And then, just a few years after her diagnosis, they were able to do this. Watch this video. Ring the bell. All right. Hold on. What does it say? What does it say? Ring out. It says, Ringing out. What does that word say? It says, Ring this. Bell. bell. Three times the Well. Well. It's, no, no. it's. It's. Toll. To what's this without that? No. clearly. Clearly say my. Treatments. Treatments. Done. Good. This. Okay. Cool. Horse. Is and run and I am on my way. Way. Good. Just say this is two. it's from. It says ringing out. Ring this bell three times well. It's told to clearly say my treatment's done. The course is run and I am on my way. Ring Hallelujah. it. Hallelujah. <laughs> ring it. To this day, Quinn is cancer-free. She has a head full of hair. She's living a happy, healthy life. Um, We praise God for that. But listen, more importantly, through all of that, God showed himself to be faithful. And he was near to my sister, my brother-in-law, their family, through that trial, through that wilderness, through that hardship, through that season. In the wilderness, my greatest need can turn into a gift when it drives me to depend on God. And we might marvel at God on the mountaintops, but listen, we venture toward intimacy with him when we're in the valley. When we're wandering in the wilderness, when we feel like we're all alone, when we feel like no one understands what we're going through, listen, Jesus understands. He cares, and he is with us every step of the way. But you have to hear this. He's not in the rushing wind. He's not in the shaking earth. He's not in the, the burning fire. He's in the still, small voice. He's in the whisper. And if you can just find time in your life to stop amidst the chaos, and like we learned last week, just dig a well and wait for God's presence, that's where He will meet you. He will meet you there. Why? Because who is our God? The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call Him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is who our God is. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He is the ever present God. Why does He whisper in these moments where it seems so chaotic and noisy? He whispers because He's close, He's near to you, He's nearby. Would you stand with me as I pray? Lord God, we thank You that You are close. And right now I pray for those in this room who are wandering in the wilderness seem to be lost, who have this sense that no one knows what it's like to go through what they're going through, and God, maybe that is true, but Lord, I pray first of all that you would meet with them this morning, that your presence would overwhelm them. God, we lean into your promise again, that if we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. And so, God, I pray for those that are hurting walking in the wilderness. And Lord, I also pray that, that, that our church, those around them, Lord, that they would be able to find community. God, we are your body. The answer to our prayers in the midst of the wilderness, oftentimes, they're just standing all around us. Lord, would you help us to step up and stand up to meet the needs of others who are walking through the wilderness, God? Or we thank you that you are with us always thank you for becoming like us, living the life we couldn't live, dying the death we deserve, rising again, conquering sin and death. We celebrate that, Jesus, and we await your coming again. We cannot wait to be reunited with you. I pray all this in Jesus' name.